Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome once again to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. My name is Ed Krasnick. I'm your co-host. My co-host, the great Jennifer Kalari, will be along shortly. And today, we have a really great conversation with an old friend and a terrific comedian, one of the best working today, Eddie Pepitone. And I have a great conversation with Eddie Pepitone. We always have great conversations. We decided to record this one for posterity. So Eddie Pepitone coming up, Jennifer Kalari coming up. We are the show that unites uh, mental health and comedy. We also practice resilient skills, practice skills of well-being, because mental health is a practice. And that's the last thing I'm going to say that refers to that. It is a practice like basketball is a practice. And I'm about as good with mental health as I am with basketball. So um, all of that bouncing along very shortly. And uh, we're going to talk with Jennifer about how to change the direction of your brain. We can rewire our brain. Well, I can rewire my brain. This is all about me. Um, And we're going to talk about that. And I'm also writing a musical about rewiring the brain called Do You Mind? Kidding. Well, kind of kidding. There was a great episode of Ted Lasso. I don't know if you watch that show, but it's really entertaining. And it's also, I think that the character is becoming so popular because you have a humane character, highly optimistic, helping other people. And now you're starting to learn about all the other stuff that goes on underneath with him and with the other characters on the show. And I think it kind of fits with our guest today. I, as I said, I had a real, really good conversation with my friend Eddie Pepitone, one of the funniest people, really. And he has a very dark sense of humor. And he also has a very spiritual side and social awareness about the screwed up systems that control our country. So that's all coming up. I love that all of that exists in the same person and in his performance and his writing. So that's really great. I love that conversation. And today's show is brought to you by the Mental Health Comedy Plus Network. You can't have a network unless you have a plus after the name. You cannot. It's a law. And of course, on the network, coming up for the fall season, a couple of really good shows I wanted to highlight, projects. Flip This Spouse is coming up. And this is where couples rebuild their relationships with fabulous challenges. Specific challenges to couples, like the maybe you could listen to me for five seconds challenge and the I I do not snore challenge and obviously you're the problem challenge. It's all hosted by DIY therapists and a team of renovation coaches. Flip this spouse. And a new movie, Southern Discomfort. A new family movie about a widowed veterinarian who falls in love with a local gas station owner who finds out that his family owned the most slaves in the United States. Southern Discomfort. We always like to welcome listeners no matter what emotional state you're in. Here now are emotional shout-outs. If you respond to yourself in a mirror by saying, What are you looking at? Welcome. If your GPS refuses to talk to you, welcome. If you think everything is your fault, including the Beatles breakup before you were born, welcome. If the biggest risk you've taken in your life is changing your deodorant, welcome. 
if you've dropped your phone in the toilet while listening to The Power of Now, welcome. If you've ever been called a dummy by a yoga instructor, welcome. If you think there should be an ice-blended CBD mochaccino, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. It's time once again for my partner, who is known as the High Priestess of Brain Hacks, the soothsayer of self-care, the ninja of the neocortex, Jennifer Kalari. And Jennifer, how do you go from being so bent on survival financially Mm -hmm. to an abundant way of thinking and actually thinking that you can have all of the things that you want and live a life of plenty. And when I say plenty, I'm not talking about becoming a billionaire necessarily. I'm just talking about the feeling of I have plenty of everything. I'm not even, uh, everything is flowing. Well, and the feeling of having enough is really important. And so many people don't have that. Even people who are millionaires and billionaires, they're they're still looking for that next thing because a lot of us live in this way of thinking like it's that next thing that we're going to buy. It's that next thing that we're going to own that's actually going to give us enough. And it will never come from something you buy. It will never come from something someone says. It will never come from something you achieve. It will come from you. And I know it sounds so corny, but that is the absolute truth. Nothing external is going to help you with your sense of self. So if we break that down, but it's a very complicated thing, um, wealth and abundance. And, and there are people who have very little and feel incredibly wealthy, right? And there's, there's people who have so much and feel completely poverty stricken. Um, and there's some reality, obviously, to it when you're worried about where your next meal is going to come from. But for most of us, although there are some people who are really struggling during the pandemic, but the answer is the same. When you're looking for what you want, think about what you already have. And I know that sounds really hard if you're really struggling, but wherever you have um, enough, and that could be clean water coming from the tap, it could be sunshine on your face, it could be how many flowers are on a on a tree or a bush, um, it's forcing your brain to look at where you already have abundance. Where do you already have plenty? If you're lucky enough, it might be love with your family. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Um, and if you have this mindset that nothing ever works and you don't have enough and there's never enough and, um, your brain will believe that and it will start basically reflecting that back to you in more and more ways. Um, so in order to get what you want, you have to think about what you want instead of what you don't want. And that's really hard. Most of us walk around all day long thinking about what's not working, what isn't happening, what I don't have, what they have that I don't have. Um, and that's a mindset. And your whole neurobiochemistry will will set itself to that thermostat. Can you catch yourself thinking like that and actually say, thank you, brain, for doing your job? I know you have to... I know you're you're on you know I know you're on duty. I I do have enough. Yes, yes, you can. In fact, that's one of the things that you should be practicing all the time, right? So you first kind of start with, and it's it's often a feeling like you see someone that has something you don't have, or your your bills are piling up and you don't want to open them, um, and you have to. But you get that pit in your stomach. You get that awful feeling. And again, the midbrain doesn't know the difference between bills that are piling up. And a tiger that's about to leap at you, it's the same thing, right? Um, And so basically, yeah, you put your hand on your heart, 
which is actually your hand is actually actually electromagnetic and so is the blood in your body so when you put your hand physically over your heart what you're doing is you're actually pulling blood to the part of your heart that actually helps you to feel because uh, we've talked about brain heart coherence right it helps you to center yourself so you put your hand right on your heart and you say thank you anxiety the, these bills are real these financial struggles are real. Thank you for coming out, you know, fighting and being so feisty and sassy and looking out for me all the time. I really do appreciate it. But as difficult as this seems, this is not a life or death situation right now. This is not a, an, an immediate emergency. Thank you. You can go send it love. I know it sounds so silly, but this is so biochemically accurate. Send that part of your thinking and your brain love for looking after you. It's not the enemy. It's trying to save you. It's just doing too good a job that will alchemize that will metabolize. Your body will start to slow down a little bit. And then you can start to think about force yourself to look around your house and say, well, you know what? I've got a lot of light coming in that window and I do have a lot of dishes and I have a lot of this and I have a lot of that. It sounds so silly, but keep your brain focusing on where you have abundance and force your brain to go there that that thinking that vibration your brain will reset because it really is like a thermostat it's like a thermostat in a furnace if you have a poverty mindset whether you're truly in poverty or not you could have money coming into your life at some point and you'll end up spending it all and blowing it all because your brain believes i'm supposed to be poor I'm supposed to not have that. Money is bad somehow. Money, I can't be a good person and have money or I have money and it'll disappear. So why get attached to it? Like without even realizing it, we will have these very strong limiting beliefs that are guardians of our behavior without our awareness. Yeah, this is really, this is really important stuff. It's good stuff. And, and, and also your brain has a function and to become more and more aware that this is not you this is your brain actually doing these things and to relate to it almost like it's a, it's something that's working for you. Yeah. They're programs. These are, these are, yeah, this is a program. You can name it. You can call it out. Oh, this is a program. Yeah. I see. This is a program. Right. Hi, I program. Okay. I'm shifting right now. I'm going, I'm going to start thinking about what I want in this moment, but thanks. I see the program running. Yeah. It was good for me when I was a little kid because I didn't understand. Now I understand. It's a program. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. The, you know, the whole conversation today is about a re about regulation, and that's the first way to do it is to recognize that these are programs that are, were installed at different points in our life, usually prior to the age of seven. And I don't know how we got talking about money, but money's a good example, right? There are all kinds of programs that run in us that were downloaded by our culture, by our religion, by our parents. You know, we all have different beliefs. You know, maybe our parents believed, you know, you weren't important if you didn't have money or only, you know, only rich people can't be nice people, right? Or, you know, if you can't be a good person and have money or everything good ends up, you know, leaving me, what, whatever the belief is, just acknowledging, ah, that's a program. I don't have to run that program. I can choose if I want to run that program. And here's something really very simple, but very complicated. So this is, again, something that you have to kind of work into your life and work into your practice. But when something feels good, it's usually the way to go. And when something feels awful, it's not the way to go. So when you're walking around thinking about what you don't have or feeling angry or feeling like people in your life, 
or, you know, or letting you down or whatever. We're doing that ranting thing in our head. We're going to feel gross when we do that. We're going to be, we're going to feel upset when we do that. That is your brain telling you that your, your higher self, your best self does not agree. And it's going to show up in ugly, icky emotions in your body. When you can train your brain to start thinking about things that do feel good. Well, let's think about the people in my life that, that, you know, I do feel comfortable with. And let's think about, um, you know, the people that make me smile and where I do have abundance and you'll feel it in your body. You'll actually feel different. Our emotions are there to tell us whether we're on the road or off the road. And those negative emotions are our GPS system. They're not bad or good. They're just telling us we're off the road. One of the best. Find his comedy special for the masses on Amazon Prime. Here's my conversation with the great Eddie Pepitone. First of all, Eddie, I never ask you the question, how are you today? Because (laughs) I think it's a multi-layered question. I think my question for you is, who are you today? That is a great question, and I'm so glad you asked. I, uh, I am Eddie, the spiritual seeker. That's part of it. Yeah. I am Eddie the fancy monkey. You know, that's my favorite term to describe y- human beings lately. Fancy monkeys. Have you heard that one? I haven't heard it, but it makes me think that the movie Planet of the Apes would be a lot different if people approached it that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, we what, are not- what's the fancy monkey? So fancy monkey, what does it mean to you? It means that we are we we regard ourselves way too highly because of our egos. We are just fancy monkeys. We have a little bit more development of the brain. You know, there were only a couple of us who did well here, Mozart. Um, <laughs> who did I well. Say, he did well here, Mozart, yeah. Galileo, right. uh, Kate Moss, the model. She did it, really well, yeah. Uh, then the rest of us are like just, you know, the, the, the planet is going to, I mean, the human species is on its way out. We can all see that with the eco catastrophe um, that is right here at our doorstep and happening now. So, you know, if it weren't for Mozart's work and Kate Moss, I don't think uh, we'd even be remembered. <laughs> is is there any way that I could put Mozart and Kate Moss in like a house like like Big Brother? She would become his Salieri, or she would be Salieri. Would be a great thing. There would thing. be a lot of Salieri going on. But yes, uh, there, yes, there would be. Now, now, Eddie, I have to ask you because we we had breakfast the other day. Great, great breakfast, by the way. Thank you. Yes. And and we we I have to ask you. You're vegan. Okay. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to ask you. What is in your mental health diet? What do you let in and what do you keep out? Well, you know, that is, as you know, the way we are built, um, you can have all the, the, the book knowledge of what to keep in and what to keep out, but it really is, um, diligent work to, um, make conscious choices in this life. I, I found, I find that most of, uh, 
the things that I'm choosing are unconscious. Like I unconsciously want to eat now because, and it's because I'm trying to feel safe. You know what I mean? Like to become conscious of those deep levels of unconsciousness is very hard to do uh, in our lives. And, and I think it really does take a lot of work and a lot of commitment. And that's one thing I'm working on is to make my choices during the day conscious. And they don't always have to be, and I, and I totally applaud you for that. Uh, in fact, I am applauding, but my mic uh, setting is off. But, uh, but the, the, the thing is that they don't have to be big sweeping choices. No. They can be very small, very, very small, very tiny, almost like, you know, just noticing your thoughts, noticing what you're thinking. It that could is be, so could, true. could be closing your eyes for a minute and taking a breath. It doesn't have to be this big, yeah. you, know, you know, a big thing. That's uh, right. And, and it doesn't have to take time. It could be momentary. Um. So, you know, but I totally get what you're saying. It is, it is a conscious, diligent practice. It is a practice. Um, but all of that contributes to the energy in the world. I mean, not to sound too California, but there is every, if everyone is walking around with the thoughts and the energy that I have sometimes, and you multiply it by a billion it's like Max von Sydow said in Hannah and her sisters. It's not, it's not. Why were there Nazis? It's given the way the world is today. Why doesn't it happen more often? Yes, he's dead. I'd like to sue him. He was dead when he was alive. He was. <laughs> Condor is young. He's inexperienced. Move away from the copier. <laughs> um. So so. But uh. But yeah. It's when you multiply that. I mean, it's it, what's going on in people's heads that is really unchecked thinking has brought us to this place. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, I think, I think the, the best thing you said there was that these things are small. Um, and a person like me um, really thinks everything has to be this uh, very big, large, uh, you know, incredible moment, you know? Right. Right. It is. And and it seems that the the secret to mental health is doing little small moments. And I'll give you one concrete example. When I get up, you know, and I, I feed my cats and none of this is to brag, but you, you know, people can get this kind of lifestyle if they, anyway, <laughs> I feed my cats and, and I feed <clears throat> my dog, give her her pill. And then the phone and the computer beckon. And there is a choice right there for me. Don't go on uh, social media uh, for at least an hour. That's something I've told myself at the beginning of the day. Do not go on social media for the first hour of the day. Do some spiritual work, which which uh, can be, you know, uh, watching Kate Moss. No, it could be whatever, you know, listening to an audio book by Dr. David Hawkins, who I love. Have you have you gotten into David Hawkins? No, no. 
oh wow, he's amazing. I, I recommend uh I recommend David Hawkins. Are you uh, opening for Hawkins these days? No, uh he's he's using Bert Kreischer. Uh, <laughs> he likes the shirtless thing that Kreischer does, but Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um so anyway, so that's an example of it. And that choice of not going on social media for my first hour, it can really set the tone of my day. Like I'm more centered. And then uh, you know, and then another choice, let, let's say the next choice that can affect my day is what to eat like i can eat really sweet stuff that'll give me this um you know temporary sugar boost but then i'll crash so maybe something you know a little more nourishing you know what i mean and that's what the days are and then maybe i decide to do some stretches instead of laying down you know what i mean and 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 i don't want to frame it like and i don't want to frame it like you know good bad because one of the one of the uh, biggest things that stops mental health growth, I think, is judging yourself because these habits that we're trying to, uh, you know, these good habits that we're trying to make part of our lives, uh, they're going to be one step forward, two, two steps backward sometime. We have to be compassionate with ourselves. Well, everything that you've said should be on a on a some kind of a tape or a program or a CD or whatever they're using these days, some well, kind of a streaming platform. Although, um, oh, this is a show. That's right, I forgot. Um, this is a show now. You're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with our special guest Eddie Pepitone, with Jennifer Kalari, Eddie Pepitone. But I, you know what? I I have to say the way you said what you said, the tone of your voice. First of all, that's what always has fascinated about me about you is that you have probably the biggest range in tone, vocal tone, of anybody that I know who's a performer. Other than Patti LaBelle, she had a big <laughs> swing. But she wasn't that funny, you know. But you're funny yeah. on Patti LaBelle. Um, um, she has better yeah. nails than you do. Her nails yeah. are very fun. Patti LaBelle is not that unfunny. I mean, she beat me out season one, last comic standing. But, you know, she was double dipping. She was double dipping at the time. I did go on, this is how old I am, I went on Star Search, and I actually, <laughs> I, that, I yeah. won a couple rounds, and Kevin James beat me out. He came is on, that right? yep, he came on and he did two minutes of fat jokes, and it was, that was lights out, lights out, but... Uh, but that's a whole other story for a whole other show. Now, uh, well, yeah, what you said was fantastic. It was really interesting mm. in the tone of what you... Now, I find with food, now that we've had, you know, going through COVID, mm. that food is really a comfort, you know, they say comfort food, and I yeah. come from a family of eating disorders, you know, uh, but yeah. but food now is directly a way to comfort myself. and. I actually look forward to it. You know you're in trouble when you're starting to look forward to like like you're it's nighttime and you're thinking what can I make for breakfast? <laughs> and I'm literally thinking, geez, I could have waffles, that'd be good. And I'm like and that'll really increase my like I'll be happier if I know that I'm going to have waffles. That is not the way you want to live. Now, first of all, we're lucky to be able to eat 
and to have food and to have what we need, we're very, very, very lucky. Can we pause for the victims of everything right now? Yeah, the victims of everything, of everything. That you know what's wrong with that is that you can't specialize and that way you can't profit from the need from the victims. If you if you say everything, then you can't help anybody, really, Um, uh, because everything is separate now. And and I could talk about that, too. Every group has to have their community and every group should be treated the same. Every group should be treated with respect and dignity. Every group. And we should all be able to come together in a diversity, a diversity of thought, a diversity of culture, and appreciate these things. What what the hell does this have to do with food? Um, It's when I just I'm choosing the same I'm choosing the same foods over and over again. What what does this have to do with food and habits? All of a sudden, you're on a soapbox. I did. I got crazy. That we all should be treated equally. I got crazy. I got crazy. I lost my way. And you can lose your way in this culture. You can lose your way. I just don't understand. I I feel like we're we're all so browbeaten by, um, you know, uh, the the uh, the thought police that we feel it necessary to make. Oh, you have to qualify everything. You well, must you, qualify you, everything. You just, you just felt it necessary to make a speech about how yes. we should all be treated equally in the middle yes. of talking about do I have waffles? Yes, because or I brought I- brought something up. But yes, but speaking of waffles. Mm. All waffles should be treated equal. No, I all the the problem is, and that's another another issue. The comfort factor with food, you're (laughs) feeding your emotions. You're literally trying to take care of yourself. And if I said to myself at night when I was thinking about making breakfast, because that would comfort me, I would say, hey, I really need some comfort right now, obviously, because I'm reaching for that thing. And you know what? I'm just going to give myself a you know a pat on the back. I'm just going to give myself a moment here to realize that I'm a human being and it's okay to have comfort. Like yeah. it's good good thing to have comfort. Just that and move on. And yeah. move on. Yeah. That that is you know that's the thing that I've been learning about um and I think what we're what we're talking about is witnessing our thoughts, which gets back to being and making conscious choices during the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So witnessing our thoughts and not fucking judging them. Yeah. And you have, and and just have to, you know, it is a, it is a practice. It's a conscious thing that you do. Like you say, you the draw to go to social media. Okay, so the draw for me to watch to check the Red Sox score is an right. enormous draw. Even though they're are they're horrible and half the team is on COVID and they can't win a game, I still have to check, mm-hmm. and then it fu- it screws up my 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 thought process. <laughs> it's because like, wow. I'm checking on them. I'm not watching the game. I'm checking on them. Um, oh, I but, see but, but see, but see, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. If you're a sports fan, you do that. But, but the thing is, you say to yourself, "I know there's going to be a big draw. I know I'm going to want to get to social media. I'm not going to do it, and I'm going to do something else that's going to nourish me." I, do you find that when you're actually doing those things that are non-electronic, that they, it's like you you become much bigger than your circumstances all of a sudden 
you become you become it becomes like a gent there's a gentle thing to it. I mean, sometimes you get thoughts racing through your head and everything, but there's a whole different quality to living if you unplug from the instant need to do something. Yeah, I think so. I I think what happens is that you feel empowered is what I think um, by not uh, giving in to the impulse for instant gratification on social media um, and doing something that you're choosing, uh, like reading a good book, right? You have... You, it's it's a good feeling to feel like oh, I uh, I have some agency in my life, and now you're not a fancy monkey. See, when you're well, doing we're still that, fancy monkeys. We're well, you are a fancy monkey, fancy literally, monkey. literally. But you're what what happens is you become more animal and less human if you give in to instant gratification and you don't make conscious choices. You become more animal and less human. Well, the only thing I don't like about what you're saying here is um, that you're you're rating it, you're judging it. Well, that's true. That's true. I, I'm being serious. You know, that's like, true. No, it is true. Like it's like, oh, so when you do that, you're a good boy. <laughs> right, right. You want to care? That's the brain. The brain is trying well, to control I think, it. I think a lot of this stuff that people deal with. I know I do is this thing, I'm a bad boy, I'm a good boy, I'm a bad boy, I'm sure. a bad boy, because sure. I ate this stuff. You know, it's all about this fucking punishment. And sometimes a key, I remember reading a woman, I forget her name. I read a very interesting woman who said the key to uh, mental health is uh, forgiving yourself. Well, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I think it was that's Kate a good thing Moss. to me. Well, she's, she's done a lot of forgive. She needs to do a lot of forgiving. No, she's, she's done a lot of forgiving. No, forgiving yourself is a, is an amazing thing because it goes the other way too. Shame is a very powerful thing. And so yeah. forgiving yourself. Yeah. Judgment, releasing judgment and just going easy. I mean, this is the easy way to go. We think it's a different way to go, but this is a kind of an easier way to go. And you know, there's a yeah. gentleness to it. Um, yeah, I think we feel like it's tragic, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of myself. It's tragic that we, you know, are our own worst enemy, you know. And the media um, and the outside world can feed that. I mean, I think, and this is this is one thing that I um, get angry at the mental health community in general. And you tell me if uh, this is accurate, but I feel like the mental health community doesn't spend enough time on the forces outside the person that are allayed against the person, i.e. all these corporate forces who want us needing more and saying to ourselves, I am not enough. So we buy their fucking products. Right. Well, that's the, this is the thing that that, professionals don't really address the power structure of, uh, you know, this unbelievably 
sad and brutal system we live under known as capitalism. So there's mental, there's mental health and then there's social action. Mm-hmm. And well, well, there's, there's social, you know, being conscious of it. And then yeah, social action, because if we were really conscious of our needs, we wouldn't go out and, I mean, I've done this, you know, all these things I'm talking about, I understand because I suffer from it. I, during the pandemic, I kept ordering things online and I still do it. Like I get excited if I order a pair of Patagonia pants and you talk about following the Red Sox, I like track it. Where is it? Oh, okay. It was delivered to Sun Valley. Oh, Where boy. is it in Sun Valley? <laughs> <laughs> you become like a stalker of you your own I mean? purchase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I understand that. And I, you know, when listening to somebody like Christopher Hedges, like we were talking about the other day, you really do, you 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 are amazed about the unra- the unraveling of culture through, you know, through uh, not a lot of people, but very powerful uh, money and corporate greed and um, and what well, that's doing to the culture. But yeah, I would say this too, because I, I don't know if you've heard this late. I think I might have sent her to you. Her name is Anna Lemke, Dr. Anna Lemke. She's at Stanford, and she's a neuroscientist. And what she talks about is uh, dopamine and where addiction comes from. Right. And, and the fact that how the brain balances out, like how it wants to feed on, on dopamine. And, what, and this, is the uh-huh. se- this is the root of all commerce. <laughs> the root the root of all commerce is that they're they're manipulating your dopamine. They're trying and you and that's a chemical thing. It's not it's not a it's actually a physical thing that's happening. Right. Right. And that has been going on for throughout history, but especially now more than ever. There are different ways to do that. And yeah. So, you know. Well, I I yeah, yeah, dopamine and addiction uh you know, has been well documented. By the way, if you want to talk about addiction and mental health, my new number one guru is Gabor Mate. Oh, yes. I know about Gabor Mate. He is amazing. And his book, uh, In the Realm of the Hungry Ghost, is you want to read about addiction. And he he nails it down to... um, Basically, in a nutshell, you know, people not getting the love and care that they needed um, as, uh, you know, in that formative stage. I think it's zero through, for me, zero through 42. But he says yes. mostly zero through seven. <laughs> yes, zero through 42 is the the correct answer. Zero through seven, yeah. Well, well, there's, there, there's beyond that that is the you know, the, the idea of what trauma is because well, many yeah, yeah. people walk around trauma. through trauma. Yeah. You're walking around he, carrying exactly this right. shit. That's right. That's right. He talks of it. Trauma is the key. And, uh, I'll tell you something. I've been working with my shrink, um, Dr. Kate Moss. No, I've been working with my shrink and, um, you know, she, uh, we've been working with trauma and you know what? It's very difficult to, uh, one, unlock 
the trauma, traumatic events, but then once you unlock them, you can, at least for me, I can only work with them in bits and pieces with the trauma a little bit at a time because it's very, very intense. And I, and our natural defenses are to put those walls up. And, you know, uh, the biggest thing in life is to be vulnerable. You know, because, you know, you want to talk about what is ruling the world, you know, is this invulnerability and this, this, um, this warlike mentality, you know, being fearful instead of vulnerable, you know, warlike. So instead of reaching out to people, we threaten people, you know what I mean? And. Yeah. Yeah, the what's on? What, and there's a whole, there's a world of stuff under the anger. The anger sits on top of all the other, all the, the other emotions. The anger sits on top of grief. Yeah, grief, you know? trauma, hurt, shame, all kinds of, all sadness, all kinds of other things. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if you cry at all. Uh, well, I don't want to brag about. You're a good crier. No, I actually, I, I don't cry as much. And, you know, this is an interesting thing. Um, I'm on uh, Zoloft, you know. Because are, you, was, are you working for them? <laughs> <laughs> are you their spokesman? No, you're on, you're on Zoloft. Now, let me ask you just to finish your thought. Let yeah. me finish the yeah. thought. Yeah. Um, then I'm on Zoloft, and, I've, and it really helps me. Um, I think there are definitely drawbacks uh, and one of the drawbacks, I mean, it really helps me because I was having incredible, uh, anxiety stuff and I, I was, I, I was, I just, I, I needed something. So I went on Zolo. But one thing I think is that it does kind of keep me away from, uh, that kernel of trauma that exists in me. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I still choose to be on this Olaf, you know. And so it keeps me, it keeps you away from it. Keeps you away from well, it. It kind of yeah. it kind of you know buffers you a little bit from. And if you need Olaf, um, I am distributing it out of the trunk of my car where the four hundred five meets the one hundred one. Yes, is it Sepulveda? Because I'll be, I'll go to Sepulveda. Yes, exactly. Listen, if if I could find something like that, the the <laughs> thing is, I have never found any like drug that that actually speaks to what's going on with me. Really, I've never found never found anyone, and it's this it's this. But I but I have wild swings if I get off of something. So I'm actually on Wellbutrin for many oh. years. Because I don't want to come off of it because I know I'll have a big reaction to it. Wow. I, I know. I know. I got off of Prozac um, before this Zoloft. I, I, I was off of Prozac. Before I went back on antidepressants, I was off of Prozac for, I think, 40 years. And going off of Prozac was a lot more difficult than I thought. Um. I was having some pretty like major mood swings myself and I was doing it the way that, you know, you know, incrementally you have to, I mean, I'm sure you can get off of how long have you been taking Wellbutrin? 
Oh, a long time. A long time. Yeah, I actually I actually knew I actually knew the guy who invented it. That's how long we were buddies. And he was said, it, Why don't you try let me this? ask you this? Let me ask you this. Was it before the Caravaggio exhibit at the Lockmer Museum? <laughs> it was actually during the time of Caravaggio. <laughs> um that he was painting and he was like, I'm making I'm a making painting. And I said, I, I, I want to take a drug. By uh, the way, by the way, that Italian accent is what I'm talking about when I yeah. say slander. Let's pause for the victims of everything. <laughs> now, I will say, like my Italian roommates used to say, non prende mangiero sto parlando seriamente. What which is, it means, don't, um, uh, I'm not making fun, I'm talking seriously. They would say that to me all the time. And then they'd say, Ed, where are you running to? He's always running. He runs. Love, He's always know, I'm, running. Yeah. I'm Sicilian and uh, I love I love the Italians, man. Oh yeah. A, I mean, yeah. don't cross them, but uh, you know, I love them. Well, the Sicilians, if you listen to Mario Puzo talk about where he got the got the the pacing and the flowery language yeah. for the gangsters and the godfather. It's yeah. all Sicilian because this is how they talk. They they believe in getting the money up front. <laughs> and the way they do it is they write you a nice flowery letter. They 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 call you and they compliment you. You're a wonderful person. Yeah. We're so lucky to be your neighbor. And yeah. all we need is this $50,000 and we'll just be done with it and it'll be fine. Yeah. And that's how they used to approach people. Yeah, I feel like it's the same at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> it's very similar. It, it, don't go there during Sicilian night because they will, uh, oh my God. that music. But this is, oh, opera. You know, I've never been to a live, I've seen it on TV, I've seen movies, I've listened to music, but I've never been to the opera. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's great. Sometimes it can be real long. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it going? Yeah, it's four four days is a long time. Wagner four days, but the Italian. Operas. Oh, the Wagner Ring Cycle is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have it on my washing machine. I now what? So I there's a lot of things here. Big big things. Do you, mm -hmm. do, do you believe, so let me ask you something about the trauma, okay? So mm -hmm. if it didn't keep the trauma away, do you believe, actually believe that you could have the trauma and move through it? Well, that's a, you know, no, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm choosing to be on so loft and you know what i what i'm hoping to do is you know work uh i mean because my anxiety or depression you know it's so it's so hard to like separate anxiety and depression i never know what to call it i know they're linked you know mm -hmm. um, they're like a vaudeville team hey anxiety <laughs> yeah, depression. Um, as popular as burns and allen at least <laughs> Say say good night, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good sketch. Um, uh, no, they're yeah. both like self attacking, you know. Um, but I think you know how. Uh, like I, I, I couldn't work with the trauma off of Zoloft either. I don't think, 
you know, I think you have to find a balance. You yeah, know? you find the balance. That's right. Yeah. You find out what works for you. And there are a lot of different different things. It's not one thing. There's a lot of different things. But the thing that you're doing in the morning where you're saying, I'm, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm doing for myself. This is self-care. Is, is it sends ripples through not only your life, but everybody that you come in contact with. I, I believe yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I believe that. Except for comedy club bookers, that is not going to help. Well, that they have kind a lot of, of walls. They have a lot of walls around them. In the club and emotionally. Yes, it's true. Now, I, I want to go to something here because your your tweets have always been legendary. <laughs> but I want to go and just look and I want to just dissect what's going on here uh, and, and what you think of it. And like, see, my question is, when you write a tweet, can you when you when you do something like this, can you then I mean, it's it's hysterical. And then it can you then go away from it and say, and now I'm going to, you know, a more peaceful place and, and have more that what? back in. A, a peaceful a place. A peaceful place. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So here, so so this is the tweet. The American landscape is one of fear, violence, suicides, mass shootings, and great savings. <laughs> here at Walmart, our employees have to apply for food stamps while we accumulate obscene money. That's the American way. We lower our prices by using overseas labor that isn't regulated. First of all, Walmart is a sponsor uh, of the show. so. I wanted to just read that to just say, you know, it, it's uh, maybe instructional for them. But 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 I also want to see. OK, so yeah. so you write this tweet. So this goes mm-hmm. out. It's hysterical. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you're able to disconnect and you're able to say, OK, that's my tweet for the day or for the hour or for one of five. And now but I've stayed away from social media in the, in the early part of the day so that I'm grounded. Right. And I can do these things. Uh, yeah, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword, though, with social media because I, I, I put a tweet like that out. And if, you know, when I know that it's funny, right, when I know, oh, this is a good one, you know, how, you know how we know when something is good, like when we come up with a joke. And uh, I do get excited about that. And I, and I do think I get a little overstimulated because then sort of like, again, checking the Red Sox score, I go back. Hi, Katie. My cat is wanting to say hello. Hi, Katie. How are you? Now, Hi. when did Katie get off of Zoloft or, or is Katie on? Uh, yeah. Katie is on a variety of temptation <laughs> treats that the doctor has prescribed. Oh, good. That's She's good. on salmon and uh, Lipitor. <laughs> well, you know, Sam- Lipitor is very popular with the cat community. It really is. It really uh, is. No, but it, um, what I was going to say is that uh, when I do tweet out something funny, I'll, I I then get pulled into like, oh, how many people like it? Who likes it? Are there verified people liking it? And... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's not easy. You know, some days I'm better at saying, okay, I, I and I, I, this is what I tell myself, uh, that I'm on social media to keep my profile high as a comic, etc. Right. And, and um, you know, I, I wonder if I, sometimes, you know, I wonder if I should just get off of social media because, 
you know, it, it's like it, it can be a place where you live your life, you know, in this virtual reality way instead of living it in a real way. I think it could be it could be a good creative like stimulation to be able to just write these things and come up with these things and that we're comics we're cre- you know we want to create things that we're always going to be creating things mm-hmm. but at the same time what would happen probably if I got off of it completely and I'm not nearly I mean I'm hardly on social media but um mm-hmm. what would happen is your life would be good it would it would actually not make it wouldn't be like oh i really miss social media it might be that way for short for short periods of time but it would your life would be enriched with other things and it would be and you wouldn't be caught up in it not that you are caught up in it because you you don't just i mean most people just do that and they don't have any other they don't have other things that they choose last night last night i um decided to do a show in an outdoor uh, venue. What is it, Katie? In an outdoor venue. And uh, the reason I did it was for no money, but uh, I knew there would be a big audience and I needed the human contact. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to, uh, you know, do my humor three dimensionally, which is so much more rewarding than online. Sure, sure. There is no, there is no substitute for that. And I feel like even though people, even though it's very easy to watch streaming movies and and it's great and series and all those things, there is no substitute for going into a theater and sitting in front of a big screen with other people. That's true too. That's true too. It really isn't, and and never. I don't know if if it ever will be. It's a live shared experience the live shared experiences mm-hmm. are really important ones i think the key the key is shared you know we need to be in community you know yeah yeah um but i find that i get you know the more isolated that i am the more i become used to it and the more everything seems like a big a big deal that's like mm-hmm. e- even phone calls it's like how do i not have time for phone calls <laughs> it's crazy. Like, how do I, I not have time for phone too. calls? I okay. get the same. Way. I get the same way too. Well, I say, yeah. It's like I think, oh my god, that's going to take a long time. Well, yeah. what are you doing that that it's going to take time from? <laughs> you know what is what great thing am I doing? Well, you know, you know, one thing I heard this, and this is from Eckhart Tolle. I heard it. He says that our biggest addiction is to our thoughts. And I think we don't want to leave our thoughts and do the phone call. Even if the thoughts are painful, we're addicted. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is a a quality of, uh, you know, if you just had the peace and quiet, you would, your brain would say, let's look for, let's look for the issues and let's start thinking about not here. We're thinking about the future or the past for sure. That yeah. happens, you know, 36 hours of a 24-hour day, and it's just what you say to those, you know, how am I going to... See, this is the thing that, we're like, working with Jennifer was really good because I really never looked at... I didn't really look at thoughts and emotions as a two-way conversation. Oh, I, thought it, yeah. I thought it was just, oh, you have thoughts, and that's what you think. Yeah. I thought you have feelings, not realizing that they come from thoughts, mm-hmm. and this is and this is what it is. 
And then I read Marcus Aurelius, not really, but I look a little bit about him because I love his He's quotes. Great. He's great. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark was a wonderful man. He was not a great conversationalist, but he was, Mark was great. Uh, but the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Well, That's Marcus Aurelius. In well, like, you know, what's interesting is that Hawkins says, and and I, I really do recommend you and and your listeners to to get familiar with uh, David Hawkins's work. Power versus Force is one book. Uh, I'm blanking on the others, but uh, and you can also watch them on YouTube. But he he says that the emotions generate thoughts and that the witnessing is really witnessing and letting the emotions come and go because the one emotion can generate, you know, a thousand thoughts is, Mm. you know, so, so what you're talking about with Marcus Aurelius, you know, uh, who was a good buddy of, I believe it was Chuck Woolery. I'm, I forget, but. Um, he was on the show, early days of the show. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, is Hawkins is saying we need to, like, let the emotions go. Like, you know, again, and it, it dovetails beautifully. It dovetails beautifully into Buddhism, you know, just detaching, like letting our, you know, emotions pass like clouds and that will then clear up our our thinking. So I guess it's dialectical, though, that it goes back and forth. Goes back and forth. It's an ongoing um, dialogue. It's a river. But if you block it up and you let it run or you think it means something or you stop it which is, you know, what we, you know, what I walk around with and what a lot of people walk around with is this, you know, that all of that stuff bottled up that just wants to go. Yeah. And the emotions I think are are very related to trauma, which we touched on earlier, you know, it all comes around, um, to, to trauma, um, no matter, you know, and I, and I, I always like to encircle the show with trauma. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because yeah. I, no matter where you are, mm-hmm. you know, we're all in this together. Well, listen, I, you know, Fancy Monkey uh, mm-hmm. could be, but it's always, you know, I love talking to you. It's so much yeah. fun. and. My thanks to Eddie, as always. Listen to his podcasts. Follow him on Twitter. My thanks to Jennifer Kalari. Find out more about Jennifer's great work, her media, her books, her services at ConnectedParenting.com. ConnectedParenting.com. Find us at MakeLightMedia.com, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, MakeLightMedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, join us, be a bridge, walk on us. If you have any issue that we can help with, please shoot us a note at ed at makelight, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, media.com. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. See you next week.